Welcome to the First Read Ultimate Spider-Man podcast, where we break down Bendis' iconic run on Ultimate Spider-Man, issues 1 through 160 in Earth 1610. Great to to see you again, Zach. You're much better at that uh, intro than I am. Well, I think we're both much better than when we started. That's true. Yeah. How's your day going? Uh, My day's going pretty well. How about you? It's going great. We had uh, the Colts play to play a game today. We don't usually get Saturday football games, and it was pretty good. I saw um, they were up thirty three nothing at the half, and I stopped watching. I- I'm sure that they won sixty six to nothing. So good day. I mean, that's the that's the direction they were headed on. Yeah, when I stopped watching. Yeah, there's going to be a delay when we between when we're recording this and when we post this. And I'm guessing a lot of people listening to a Spider-Man comic book podcast aren't <laughs> privy to sports. So I'll just say the uh, the Colts broke an NFL record um, by giving up the largest comeback in history. They were up 33 to nothing. And lost the game. <laughs> but they gained a draft draft position. So that's really good if you yes. think about it. Yeah, I have been yeah. team tank for a quarterback for a while this season. I actually have a friend who's another diehard Colts fan. He's a season ticket holder. And for the longest time, he was on my case saying I was too pie in the sky and believed in this team too much. And, oh, you're too <laughs> pro Reich, pro Ballard, like, and I, I thought I was being pretty fair because up to that point, they had done a good job in their tenures. But, you know, about midway through this season, I was like, objectively, it doesn't help us to win games and still lose the division or somehow win the division and get stomped in the first round of the playoffs. We just we just need a quarterback. Yep, probably probably time for a new regime. You got to turn the page on this. I'm still. So this is the part where I feel like a Tory in the Revolutionary War. I still am pro Ballard because I understand the criticisms about his like roster building. Like, oh, you're really good at drafting and developing your own, but you focus on non premium positions. Like, what is it? What is it worth having the best left guard in football? if you don't have a good quarterback and pass rusher or whatever, but I feel like if he can rein it in, if I mean, surely like he has to learn after this season that that he was flawed. There Ursay has to be breathing down the back of his neck saying he was flawed there. If you keep letting him build through the draft and just tell him, dude, like you're on the hot seat. You got to hit at these premium positions. I trust that more than most GMs in the NFL when it comes to drafting. Well, I'll take your word for it because you sound more knowledgeable than I am. Uh, Welcome back, everyone, to our next episode of the Colts podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure everyone is, uh, you know, very excited to hear us talk about the Colts for an hour. Yeah, that three minutes probably felt longer to some people (laughs) than... If we had talked about Better Business Bureau the whole time. Well, I've got I've got something else before we go into the Better Business Bureau, which I also have a lot to say on. Um, you know, Zach, what number podcast episode are we on? 
Uh, this would be episode four. I'm I'm going to change that or I'm going to throw into the running to change that because when I am trying to organize things, it doesn't help my organization to have an episode zero. I like because then I'm like, well, it's episode five, but it's really our sixth episode or it's episode, you know, and we'll do that for the rest of our lives. So I would like to just start with episode one, which makes this episode five. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to agree to disagree there dude because because episode zero first of all it was the rawest we're ever gonna be on this show like i would not recommend you know if if someone is saying they're just gonna give us one chance they're just gonna listen to one thing to decide if this is for them i kind of don't want it to be that one i i'd like to think episode one was of some higher quality Okay, I I can do that, but mentally, when I think to myself, this is episode four, but really it's episode five, I'm just going to stop thinking like that. I'm going to delete episode zero from my brain that we did that. <laughs> That's fair. I'm sure you don't want to think about Pat and Parnell one more second. Oh my gosh, I that's already too much. <laughs> so... I forgot about this one, but it came back to me after we had that discussion about, you know, this incredibly creepy, disgusting Spider-Man. There's another one from that same uh, event, the Spider-Verse event, that might be worse. It's a, uh, I think his name is Spiders, plural, man. And it's Ew. literally like tens of thousands of spiders devoured Peter Parker. Ew. And... Now they're wearing his suit and they believe that he is that they are him. I I don't I maybe maybe we'll read that for like a hundredth episode or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky enough, it never comes up in the ultimate universe. So I think you're good if you want to avoid it. That's good. And this past weekend, the new Spider-Verse trailer came out and Zach said his prediction for the uh the big bad villain in the movie is going to be Parker Pornell, or I don't even know what Pat, <laughs> Pat and Parnell, Pat and Parnell. <laughs> and only Zach and I would know who that is. I think, <laughs> I think um, we might have the record in the short lifetime of this podcast as being like the most anyone's ever talked <laughs> about that dude. I think so. I, I think, yeah, I'd say you're right on that. Well, I got one more thing I want to talk about before uh, before we get into the Spider-Man episodes. Okay. Okay. Shoot. It seems like these days, Zach, everyone's getting scammed. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've I noticed I that. I turn on the news. There's crypto scams. You know, there's Nextdoor app. I'm trying to hire someone to fix a fence, or or you know, walk my dogs, or or do something, and I'm getting scammed. So I I had to look into this, you know, because there has to be a better way to 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 not get scammed in your day to day life. I don't know. Have you have you looked into this at all or no, but I think you're onto something. There's got to be someone out there who helps when yeah. you think you might be scammed. So I, I was going to start my own business and I was yeah. going to help people out. And then as I went to do the paperwork. It turns out there's already a business that does this. It's called the Better Business Bureau. What? 
pretty easy to remember the Better Business Bureau. And it does exactly what they say uh, it does. You know, they're going to monitor all the businesses so you don't have to. So That's great because I was if, getting tired of doing that. Yeah. So now if you're a victim of a scam uh, or bad business practices, you can call the Better Business Bureau. It's going to provide the public with information on businesses, businesses and charities. Uh, I'll, I'll have to look into if they do cryptocurrency companies or not. Um, but I do know they've got an A plus through F grading scale. That's going to tell us what kind of problems businesses have had in the past. So for more information, if anyone's just out there, they need a job done. Uh, you can go to the BBB.org and they're going to help you out. You can look up that business that you're about to hire. Wow. It's just that simple, huh? Yeah, it's just that simple. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. I really needed to to know that. That of course, I thought I thought it was good info. I wanted to share it. I think that's pertinent information for an informed public. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> All right. So, is that it? Or you got everything off your chest from this let's past get, week? Let, let's let's get into it. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we're we're uh, we're doing issues nine through twelve today. We're still yep. on the Great Power arc. Where do we leave off? What? So we left off. Um, Spider Man is gonna start looking into Kingpin, right? Okay. And is there anything else that you want to add about where we left off that's more specific? Nope, I couldn't have said it better myself. All right, so issue nine, script by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art Tiber, and colored by JC. So we open on three gangsters talking in an alleyway. They're kind of waiting to go into somewhere. So two smaller guys and a big guy named Ox. One of the smaller guys, Dan, is talking about how he wants to rob a McDonald's. And... The other two guys, especially the big guy, Ox, they're trying to figure out why he'd want to rob a McDonald's. Ox even says, you know, they've got a pretty good 99 cent menu, which is true. And it also ages this quite a bit because now I think they're up to about a two dollar menu. I will say it stayed 99 for a good while. Like it did. Th this 20 year old comic still would have been relevant, like even five years ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And well, and even today, there are probably some 99 cent items still. Yeah, like a napkin. <laughs> I think it's funny. He's like, he's kind of hiding that he's talking about a McDonald's. He's like, hey, hey, boss, I'd kind of like to knock over that burger joint. And they're like, what? <laughs> what one? There's this is New York. There's hundreds. He's like, oh, the one over on this street corner. They're like the McDonald's. <laughs> that's a McDonald's. <laughs> You can just say it. So, so, so Ox and the other guy who we learn his name's Montana, they are trying to poke and prod. Like, why do you want to rob this McDonald's? And we find out that they, Dan submitted an application back in high school and he never got a call back. And he's still a little resentful about that. Um, so he wants to rob the McDonald's. This is one of those examples of like Bendis writing because it doesn't actually progress the story. It tells you just like the teensiest bit about how these random <laughs> villains think. And there are people that hate that. It really works for me. Okay. It, feels, it feels like a Tarantino kind of dialogue. 
so you're gonna think my notes for this are so like uh just ironic because i said the same thing i said this and one i obviously don't know bendis is writing as much as you but from what i have read so far i wrote down this like is bendis's writing um and i was and i even wrote because the world building is so good because it does make it feel like it's a real world like tarantino does it's just these people kind of going about their everyday lives but i actually wrote every scene like every conversation matters so much which is one thing i like about it because it does add to the world building but specifically specifically the part of the scene that we haven't gotten to yet just tells so much about the characters in just like a few panels okay well i'm interested to hear more about that take us there so we've got the third gangster, Montana. He says, you know, Kingpin, and here's where we learn, oh, these these guys are Kingpin's goons. He says, Kingpin wouldn't like it if they robbed a place without consulting him first. Uh, and plus, you know, Kingpin probably owns the McDonald's anyways. And they mention another gangster by the name of Mr. Big, who's maybe one of Kingpin's like right-hand men. And... Dan says, well, Ox could take take Kingpin in a fight. And they're kind of joking around about that. And Montana is pretty sure that he couldn't. He doesn't really make a big deal out of it. He's just like, no, you couldn't take him in a fight. Of course. Very um, matter of factly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So... Montana says, you know, you guys shouldn't even be joking around like this. He kind of meant that's when he mentions offhand. Kingpin probably owns that McDonald's anyways. And then Dan makes a snide remark about, oh, Mr. Legitimate Business Owner. Of course, he probably owns the McDonald's, you know, kind of making fun of Kingpin for not just being a crime guy, but like a legitimate business owner. Um, He's diversified. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's very diversified. Um. And in this panel, we kind of see a glimpse of Spider-Man's feet and we know, oh, Spider-Man's been spying on these guys listening to their conversation. So that's where, you know, I wrote, wow, this is just such good world building. And, you know, we learned so much about Kingpin, even from only a few lines of dialogue. Um, And we can kind of tell from Montana, who is the only one of the three that's met Kingpin, just from his demeanor throughout the whole conversation that, you know, we really get a pretty clear picture of how Kingpin runs his organization. But that's where I'm at. Like, it seems like every conversation just has a couple different things that it's going that it's looking to accomplish by the end of the conversation, even if it just seems like it's a couple people talking. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very astute. I, and I oh, wasn't trying you. to say it it doesn't matter earlier, but yeah. to someone who's just reading this at face value, they would think it doesn't matter. That's yeah. that would be the criticism. But when you look at it the way you just said, and the fact that they could point out a particular McDonald's in Manhattan and say he probably owns that, I mean, that tells us volumes about the kingpin and just yeah. how rich he is, how much he has his hands in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the, this door that these guys have been waiting to go into, it finally opens. And that's when Spider-Man jumps down and starts fighting the the gangsters who he says have a name. These are the enforcers. So probably the enforcers for Wilson Fisk, I imagine Kingpin. So they get the better of him. 
Montana is pretty good with the lasso. He lassos him around the neck and Ox. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a pretty good throw. So I just got to set the scene for the listener. So these guys all have like a very specific visual motif. Like fancy Dan looks like a 1930s bank robber. And Ox is just like a huge dude. Like, you know, looks like Aaron Donald. I thought it was Kingpin at first before they said who it was. Yeah, no, so he's, he's just I think he's like built as big as Kingpin pretty much. Yeah, he's just 100 percent muscle. And then uh, Montana, he's kind of my favorite. Like he just looks like Indiana Jones because yeah. he's got that hat and a, his like signature weapon is a whip. And the funny thing is he was a lasso. Invented- lasso, excuse me. The thing is, he was invented before Indiana Jones, but it just feels so specifically like, oh, it's the villain Indiana Jones. So Spider-Man starts fighting the enforcers. They lasso him around the neck and Oz go- Ox goes to punch Spider-Man and knock him out. But Spider-Man does a dodge and he punches Dan instead. Spider-Man then gets the upper hand and demands they take him to Kingpin and just when Spider-Man kind of starts to interrogate them, Mr. Big steps out from the shadows and he and Spider-Man have a little bit of a talk about, well, why do you want to meet with Kingpin? And Mr. Big seems like he, well, he kind of outright says he, he doesn't have Kingpin's best interests at heart. He just works for him. So he's like, you know, Wilson Fisk is throwing a big gala this Friday he would really not like it if you showed up and ruined it. Uh, so he he and Kingpin obviously have their own thing going on where he doesn't necessarily like him that much. Zach, I don't know if Mr. Big's a character we've seen before. Like, I know in this series we haven't, but... Yeah, um, in the original comics, uh, like the 1960s, he was uh, just called the Big Man. So Mr. Big is kind of like a play on that, but it's Mm -hmm. Frederick Foswell. He's um, just another criminal. And in this, he's kind of vying for Kingpin's throne. Okay. So just then the FBI burst in and they assume Spider-Man is working with the gangsters. So they try to shoot at him and he escapes. And of course, the next day at the Daily Bugle, we have the headline Spider-Man Mob Menace. And Peter kind of thinks to himself that he needs to be a little bit smarter. And this is the start of some pretty negative self-talk from Peter Parker that we get in these next issues that we're going to look at because he's just making all these mistakes. So the next day at school, Kong, which it is funny how many big guys there are whose names are just a big thing. Big you thing. Know? There's Ox, Kingpin. Kong. It feels like you're just around the corner from meeting a guy named Mountain. (laughs) Yeah. So Kong is talking about how Spider-Man was taking down the mob and he's a huge Spider-Man fan and Liz Allen kind of shows that she is just very annoyed about all the Spider-Man things. She doesn't really like Spider-Man that much because she maybe blames him for the attack on the school. Um, So she shouts out enough about the Spider-Man stuff. She's got her own stuff going on. That we will find out, I don't think soon, but at some point. Yeah, they haven't gone into it as far as I know. Um, 
And then MJ and Peter start talking at school and she asks him out on a movie date on Friday that he, of course, has to reschedule because Kingpin stuff is on Friday. So they're going to reschedule for Saturday. Um, And then Peter goes into the Daily Bugle and he's asking J. Jonah Jameson about the coverage of Spider-Man. It's not very fair. And J. Jonah Jameson just says, you know, people just want to cheer and boo. They don't really care if they actually get a fair news. They're sheep. And Peter Parker didn't really like that that much. But yeah, he doesn't he, say anything. He, J- Jameson basically admits he's just spinning a story. Yeah, which maybe similar to some news stations, you know, today. Not to get political. Yeah, it might be some commentary about that there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Friday. We're at the Kingpin Gala. Wilson Fisk, he's throwing it to help the Midtown Hospice. So it looks like a big charity event, which it is a big charity event. That's how he has all of his power because he's got his hands in everything. And Peter's breaking into Kingpin's office during this. And he notices a camera watching him. And he thinks to himself, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. And then Kingpin is about to grab him from behind and the issue ends. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. Dun, dun, dun. To be continued. Yes. What do you right. think? I, I liked it. I mean, it, it feels like a nat- natural progression of the story. It feels like Kingpin arc is the first one that we're getting. That's um, kind of slowed down. I mean, all we've done before this was the origin and um, the Green Goblin issues. Yeah, but this this feels like something that was teased out, you know, in the last episode and is going to take all of this episode. And it just it feels like a slow build, which I think suits kind of this threat because Kingpin isn't someone he can just beat up and win he has to you know outsmart him because he has all this you know monetary and political leverage yeah um so out of five legitimate wilson fisk businesses what would you (laughs) rank this one (laughs) i wonder what wilson fisk's a plus through f scale (laughs) with the better business bureau is yeah clearly Hell's Kitchen or wherever in New York this is needs a better business bureau to to be checking out. Maybe they should open a branch. Um, yeah. Out of five Wilson Fisk legitimate businesses. Yes. I would say. I'd say this was a, a four and a half. It was. Okay. It was wow. truly a solid issue. I mean, if it was the first comic you ever picked up, I don't know. Like how much it would do for you, but in terms of progressing the plot and hitting on, you know, most of the minor characters, uh, I think it did a really good job. Yeah. Um, well, I do think that, uh, it's interesting that you talk about how it's like a slow build because I did find this kind of a drag to get through in, in at least more than any of the other issues where, you know, I kind of kept clicking and being like, what page number am I on? Like, how am I not through this yet? Because it, I guess it does seem like there's a lot of different scenes to where 
I did think it was just a slower read. So, so I gave this, uh, you know, two Wilson Fisk legitimate businesses out of five. That's interesting that we're, we're noticing the same things, but in different ways. Like, yeah, we, we agree on the pacing. I just think it built suspense and it seems like you think it could have gone faster. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. All right. Any behoozles. So Kingpin is towering over Spider-Man. That brings us into issue 10. This was again, written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley and inked by Art Tiber. Uh, We open on Kingpin towering behind Spider-Man and Spider-Man realizes he feels a tingle every time he's in danger. And he's feeling that right now. So what you noticed in the last issue, John, when he was with the Green Goblin, it seems like he's just self-actualized that and realized that it's his spidey sense. Yeah, exactly. And Kingpin asks, can I help you? And Spider-Man wheels around and just starts punching him and responds, nothing I can't take care of myself. And Spider-Man, it seemed like he hurt himself punching him with his first punch. Yeah, you get the sense that, you know, the fit like the Kingpin just looks like this massive man, but it's it's like muscle like Spider-Man hits him and he's just solid. Yeah, but Fisk grabs Peter's arm with like crushing force and his hand is the size of Peter's forearm. You just get a sense of how much bigger he is than pretty much any other human we've met in this universe yet. Yeah. By, by that, just by that picture alone, I was thinking there's no possible way. If this was a real thing that his arm is not completely snapped in half from how much, I mean, it it looks like a twig. It looks like that's where it's going. Like he's going to break his arm. Yeah. Uh, and, um, Peter, even remarks he just broke my web shooter like he can just tell that it snapped with that grab grasp can't talk it'll happen once an episode folks <laughs> uh he demands to know who sent peter and peter starts deflecting this by cracking several jokes including one where he says carson daly sent him and the kingpin says i don't know who that is which is <laughs> kind of funny um And he uh, flips out of Fisk's grasp and kicks him, but he just, again, seems unfazed by it. And at this point, uh, Fisk says, Electro, take care of him. I have guests. And a goon in the doorway just starts emitting electric, like electricity out of his head and blasting lightning bolts out of his hands. And Peter's just doing all he can to try and dodge him. And he's like trying to quip like he always does. And he just can't even get it out because he keeps dodging lightning bolts. And he says, Hey, at least you could do uh, is let me finish my stupid jokes before you kill me. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think he fully understands like the danger he's in. I don't think he gets the gravity of the situation that he is. He's losing. He's on the defensive. Um, you had something. No, no, I didn't. I was going to say, you know, and Electro is also, it's kind of the start of him just getting so annoyed with Spider-Man 
that he's not even letting him talk because he's already so annoyed with him. And when Kingpin opens, you know, he's he says, Electra, take care of him. You know, I've got guests. And Electro's like, no, it's Electro. Tro, like Kingpin doesn't even have time to like I'm to gonna electrocute this, this guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a good little bit, especially since Electra is a real person in the Marvel universe. That's too. who I thought that's who I thought it was gonna be. Honestly, that's who I thought it was gonna be too. Yeah. <laughs> because she is in this series and I believe has uh, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not, I just I thought that was her introduction earlier than I remembered. Yeah. Um, anyways, eventually one of the bolts hits Peter directly in the chest and knocks him out and Kingpin orders Electro to take off the mask. They see Peter's face and they realize he's just a kid. And Fisk says, tell Mr. Big his presence is required. And one of the goons is like, hey, boss, what do you want me to do with the kid? And he says, toss him out the way he got in. Which is kind of cold-blooded. I mean, it's what you'd expect of the kingpin of crime. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's every intention and thought that they're just going to throw him off, like, I think I said 38 stories, and just let him, like, splat onto the ground. Yeah, the fact that he's a kid isn't really taken into the calculus there. It's just remarked on because they're surprised at first. It's more e- even, I think, later on, it's more even he's just a kid, just like kill him. He's just like a kid, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that is said in one of the later issues. Um, So they throw Peter out the window and the goon asks anything else, boss? And Kingpin's like, yes, find this Carson Daly person and destroy him. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Kingpin so- doesn't seem like the type of guy that watches MTV. Yeah, yeah. So there's the the payoff to him saying, "I don't know who that is," because yeah. he it it shows that he took Peter seriously. Like he he really thought that was the answer. <laughs> I feel bad for Carson Daly. He's <laughs> definitely dead in this universe. Yeah, he's a he's a marked man for real. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being the goon that has to like. Obviously, you're not going to do it then and there. But once Kingpin settles down, like tell him, "Hey, so boss, uh." That kid, he was yanking your chain. (laughs) I'm imagining they all talk like that, too. That's a perfect. That's how I was reading Dan's voice. Yeah. And Mr. Big. Yeah. (laughs) Just so old timey gangster. I love it. They're wearing like the the big like pinstripe suits and like fedora hats. Uh, Anyways, uh, Peter comes to as he's falling. And because his web shooters are broken, all he can do is grab the side of the building and slow his fall. And uh, I didn't even make notes about the the little series of events that happens while he's falling. I thought you'd have some some funny. What series of events happens the- while he's falling? I, I just wrote he he like regains consciousness while he's falling just enough to like not slam into the ground. Yeah. We get this, like, again, I, I'm going to say it It was very cinematic. This ev- series of events where he's, like, gripping the wall and, you know, falling, and it's, like, kind of slowing him. And then you see from inside the gala. 
oh, people's, yeah. <laughs> people's views and they're all just talking and having a good time. And then you just see him sliding down the window and it's like making that noise. Like, I think it even, yeah, but it squeaking, oh, it, but it doesn't. And it's even a fun way that they do it because I think it says like wipe in yeah. big letters and and you you just know what that sounds like cuz you've seen stuff like that wipe off this you know a window down it yeah i did like that and the people all just like stop and look at him and then he's like out of frame and they just go back to talking yeah you can definitely like picture this scene you've seen it in a million movies and tv shows when something just happens outside and everyone looks at it for one second and then just goes back to what they're doing yeah so that was that was a good little laugh yeah um, so as he's walking home, he thinks about how badly the night went and he reflects on how he had no idea what he was up against and he's in over his head. He kind of just thought, you know, oh, I survived the Green Goblin and beating the Shocker wasn't anything too hard. So, you know, I can just walk in and do whatever I want now. And he's realizing it's not going to be that easy this time. Yeah, but but there is also a lot of negative self-talk. Yeah, for sure. He's um, he's putting the that failure on himself personally, not, you know, oh, that was a bad plan or, you know, I'll get him next time. It's I myself, Peter Parker, am a failure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of like Peter Parker. You're so dumb, Peter Parker. You stink. (laughs) I think I think he even wakes up in the morning and he's like, ow. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I stink. If this kid didn't need a therapist after his uncle died, he definitely needs to get one now. Yeah. <laughs> that brings us to our future uh, sponsor, BetterHelp. Yeah, yeah, sponsored by BetterHelp. 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 <laughs> Give us a call. So when he walks into his house, Aunt May is watching TV and she asks him if he still likes her. Oh, such a sad scene. This yeah. Is such a sad couple of panels. As if that's what he needed. And uh, he says, why would you ask that? And she says, well, you're never here. And she's afraid that life sort of threw them together. And now that Ben is gone, they're the only ones left. And he tells her that he loves her and they embrace. And I mean, like you said, this is just kind of. It just pulls on your heartstrings like, yeah, it is. It is so sad. And she even ends because she just like breaks down like, oh, I miss him so much. And. It is really sad, and I did kind of start tearing up because it makes me think of my parents and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, I should really hang out with my mom more. (laughs) She really thinks that, like, he doesn't love her anymore because he's out doing all this Spider-Man stuff. And he knows that that's what she's thinking, but he still has to go out and do Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. And he can't tell her why. Yeah, yeah, you'd love for him to just be able to be like, no, let's just like hang out. It's okay, but he can't really do that. So yeah, it's never going to go that way because there's always going to be you know yeah. some other fire for him to put out. Uh, so the next day, uh, Mary Jane calls Peter and he tells her he isn't feeling well and has to cancel their movie date. Um, he thinks to himself he wishes he could go on the date, but he really needs to heal and make a new mask. What a little twerp. Yeah, I, personally, I would have powered through it because yeah. she's out of your league. But this, this is this is some of the only 
only in his decision making with Mary Jane do I think this is not what a real person would do. There's not a chance that he cancels that date. No way. He lacks so much self-awareness. Like, I don't know if he thinks that, oh, she'll just keep giving me chances or this that isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, that, that absolutely is what it is. Yeah, he has such little experience with women. He's not afraid of losing them. Yeah. Uh, uh, meanwhile, the Kingpin is in his office holding Spider-Man's mask, and he's surrounded by Electro, the Enforcers, Mr. Big, and some other goons. And he says Spider-Man broke into his office and tried to fight him and almost ruined his dinner party. And Mr. Big starts mocking him for the comment about the dinner party, implying that he's gotten soft and out of touch. Not implying he says it. He says, you know, you don't get your hands dirty anymore. And they're like, you always have other people do stuff for you. And I don't know. It seemed like Mr. Big walked in there to pick a fight, which probably isn't the smartest thing, to, you know, like he 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 wasn't going in there to like get punished or anything. He like chose to antagonize Kingpin for a little well, bit. I have a feeling Kingpin knew that he was the one who sold him out because remember when he said, tell Mr. Big his presence is required. I definitely do, but Okay, I had that thought also, and I guess I just wasn't sure if that's what it was. I was thinking he was just going to talk to him about it, or if he did know about it, that that Mr. Big was kind of the one who sent Spider-Man, they would have said that for sure, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's not as spelled out on the page as most other things in this series, but my read of it is that Kingpin was aware that um, Mr. Big wanted to take his place. Oh, is that what Mr. Big's plan was? Yeah, I mean, he said as much to Peter. Yeah, well, well, Mr. Big is like antagonizing him as he's as Kingpin is just like explaining the situation. So Kingpin orders Ox in Montana to hold Mr. Big. And for a second, he's kind of looking at them like, all right, boys, now's your time to, you know, choose your where your allegiance lies. And they're like, him obviously him they agree <laughs> with they, they obey kingpin and kingpin takes off big's hat puts spider-man's mask on his head and then crushes his head with his bare hands oh yeah very very graphic yeah and just speaks to his raw strength i d i do think Mr. Big really did not think this conversation through at all. Like, I have no idea what he was hoping would happen from his comments or I mean, it was <laughs> it would be like a spider coming into your house and then walking up to you and being like, I bet you're not going to crush crush me with your shoe. What do if, you expect to happen at that point? If the spider was like self-aware and had like human like thinking capacities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then it was funny. I, I, I'm not sure who said it's time. I think Kingpin was the one that said it was like, it's time to pick a side. And yeah, there was not for one second. Did I think that they were not going to be like, obviously we're going to hold. I didn't. I, 
I didn't even think that 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 Mr. Big would think that that would happen. Like, I just don't think he thought this plan through. If I'm giving him any credit, I I gotta say the only thing that would make sense is he thought his boys would have his back because they yeah, had met he must him have. before and they hadn't met Kingpin. But he should have known going in, like he should have asked them, "Hey, if it comes to this, <laughs> you know, do you accept me as your new boss?" And it, that conversation clearly had never happened. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the next day, Peter sees a news broadcast uh, report that Mr. Big's body was found in the East River. Oh, I did find out, by the way, the Brooklyn Bridge, the body of water over it. It is the East River. Okay. Nice yeah. call. We know a little bit about Manhattan yeah. geography now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And later during history class, he's passing notes with MJ and he says he's sorry about Saturday and she kind of doesn't have anything to say to him. Um, And the teacher is uh, talking like the whole time you see this in the panels going on. She's talking about Richard Nixon and she asked the class why someone would be so paranoid, but then still record their illicit conversations. And Peter's thinking about Kingpin when she says this. And he remembers the camera, the security camera that he saw in the office. And he responds because he thinks he's untouchable. Oh, Peter's going to go after the security camera stuff. Yes, he is. Uh, so what'd you think about this issue? Um, I liked this one. I thought it, it definitely um, moved quicker, which would make sense because the last one was kind of setting everything up. And now in this one, we actually get to see a little more Kingpin. Um, you know, he, we get a pretty, what seems like a classic Kingpin scene of him just killing that guy with his bare hands, like squishing his head. Um, so I thought that this one was really good. I gave it eight out of 10 crushed facial bones. Are there eight bones in the face? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I didn't look that up. That doesn't sound right to me, but I don't know enough about human anatomy to yeah. dispute it. Okay. I, I'm feeling generous today. I know I'm usually the miser when it comes to the rankings. <laughs> I'm going to give this a uh, 10 out of 10 crushed facial bones. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. This is one of the issues of the series that just has a lot of moments that stick out to me when I think about the story as a whole, like the Carson Daly quip and how badly the break-in goes for Spidey and, um, you know, the murder of Foswell. Yeah. It's just enough to like put it over the top and then also has the human element that I look for. So if I say that's what I'm looking for in every issue, and this delivers, I can't in good conscience not give it a perfect score. Yeah. Or or maybe take a point off because Peter he canceled his date with MJ, which is pretty absurd. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Nine <laughs> out of ten. But no, well, you we, can you can keep it ten if you want. I'm just but saying we know I that, took a point off for that. <laughs> you're punishing Peter for Something I'm punishing the, the issue. I'm punishing the issue for Peter's decision making in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, it was a really I, good one. I liked it. I think you'll be pleased with where their direction 
of their relationship goes. That's good. Next episode. That's good. And I think I know that this is setting that up. And I am also curious about him and Liz. Yeah, it kind of seemed like there was something there for a minute, huh? It, it, it did. Um, and I think maybe they talk a little bit more in this episode or uh, yeah, they do. So I'll get into it. Yeah. Issue 11 script by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley, inked by Art to Bear, colored by JC. We open on Peter, who's doing a lot of negative self-talk, which I know I've mentioned a couple times this episode, and that's because it happens uh, a couple times, more than a couple times. So he realizes he needs to be smarter smarter when he's Spider-Manning. So he's going to try and start using his brain here. And he comes up with this plan that he's going to email the customer service department of the company that makes Kingpin's surveillance equipment. He's going to try to figure out you know what type of security system he has so then he can see how he would get the the footage from it he's gonna try to steal that because there's there's footage of him killing mr big on there that he's gonna try to get well i don't think he knows that yet i think he knows that he was unmasked in front of that camera oh yes yep you're right yep yeah you're absolutely right he i mean you're correct footage of him and kingpin in there but you're correct that once he got that footage, he would then see proof of the murder. That's well, maybe we'll see if, if he got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so and meanwhile, Peter is running late to his English lit class. So a doctor, it, it turns out, is, is meeting with all of the students. So Peter doesn't go to his class. A doctor is meeting with the students to talk about the Spider-Man Green Goblin incident. And the doctor is not being very helpful, kind of seems a little snooty to me. Um, and Peter kind of agrees that these this isn't worth answering. So he's like, can I go? And the doctor's like, yeah, you don't have to be here. So Peter leaves on his way out. He sees that Liz Allen is the next in line to talk to this doctor. And she is still pretty clearly shaken up about the Green Goblin Spider-Man incident. And Peter feels really guilty about that. Because even though he didn't cause the problem, he didn't help it as best as he thinks he should have. And, you know, maybe some people were put in danger because he didn't solve that that as, you know, superhero like as he could have. I think that's dumb of him. I mean, he can't beat himself up for not doing anything when he literally was the only person doing anything. Absolutely. He he even thinks to himself those exact words like did i he's like he's like i feel so guilty but should i it's not like i caused it i was just trying to help people but i still feel guilty (laughs) and it's like yeah that's silly um so he feels guilty about that he goes he's gonna check his email he hasn't gotten a response from the surveillance company then he runs into mary jane and she's still very upset with him I think they won't, she won't even talk to him. And he's just like, well, don't be mad at me forever. Um, but, and he's like, she's this mad all because I canceled. I, I stood her up for one day. Why she's so mad. And it's like, dude, you need to be putting two and two together. <laughs> like Peter, so baseball. Often, <laughs> you don't get three strikes. <laughs> Peter so often will think something and then say the very next words that are like the opposite of what you just thought where he's like, 
it's not like I caused the Green Goblin stuff. Should I really feel guilty about it? I was trying to save people. Yeah, it's probably my fault anyways. And then he's like, all I did was stand her up for a date. Would she really be upset about that? Yes. So she won't talk to him. And then he's like, oh my gosh, I'm running late. It's already fourth period of school. So Peter's now missed, you know, basically his, his entire school day. He finally gets an email back from the surveillance company and he learns all the ins and outs of the surveillance system. They send him a a demo video he watches. So he learns all about it. He's going to break into the tower again and steal the footage. So we cut over to the tower and Fisk's gang is meeting. And one of the underlings had a call with the news station and threatened to buy the news station if they keep running stories where Wilson Fisk or Kingpin is mentioned in the same breath as Mr. Big's murder. You know, if the news stations are connecting it, they're like, we're just going to buy you if you keep saying stuff like that. And calling him the Kingpin of crime. Like, obviously that's his public reputation, but like he's going to break anyone who admits it. Yeah. So it just kind of gives you a little bit more about his power over the city that if he's like, stop doing the news or I'm just going to buy the company and you're all going to be fired and I'll get people who will do the news the way I want it to be done. Yeah, I know I do crime. You know, I do crime. But if you print or report that I do crime, I'm going to do crime unto you. Yeah. (laughs) So. His Kingpin's gang is meeting and Kingpin is kind of worried that Spider-Man is still alive, but his goons are like, no, he's definitely dead. We threw him out a window. And of course, as they're saying, like, he's definitely dead. We are getting cuts to another part of the tower where Spider is, Spider-Man is breaking into the surveillance footage room and kind of disarming the guards. And he turns out the electricity to the building. So Electro goes and he's going to start looking for where Spider-Man is. Spider-Man is in the building. Elsewhere in the building. So now in a third area, Ox, Dan and Montana are talking and Ox and Montana are saying about, you know, we should have stood up for Mr. Big. We're not real men. And Dan is like, all right, I'm going to try and do my, uh, impression here you've got such a good like 30s mafia impression what are you talking about we had no choice beautiful so um you know kingpin would have just killed them if if they had not done what he said so uh you know kingpin's who they work for so and i tend to agree with dan in that instance uh yeah what were you gonna do like he crushed yeah. one head. He could have crushed four. Yeah. Yeah. Unless maybe they attack him when he's like time to pick a side boys and they could like catch him off guard and you know, but I, I think that they would all be dead. I do too. He had too <laughs> many other goons in that room for that to have gone smoothly yeah. at all. Yeah. Um. So Peter steals the DVDs. Uh, the, so the lights go out. In, in this room that Ox Montana and Dan are in also. And they also are going to go and, and look for what's causing the issue. So Peter steals the DVD footage he's looking for. But then at the same time, the enforcers and Electro show up. 
and Peter immediately gets lassoed around the neck again by Montana. And that's where our issue ends with Peter being lassoed around the neck. Okay. So uh, what'd you think about this one? Pretty, pretty good one. Yeah. Um, you have a yeah. grading scale for us? I, of course, do have a grading scale. And, and, and you're always welcome to come up with your own grading scales. You're so good at it. I don't <laughs> want to step on your toes. What do well, we got? Well, I gave this one three out of four classes that Peter was late to. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> you might have noticed as I was doing the read through, I was specifically mentioning that he was late to his classes. There was a reason for that. Yeah. And I mean, you can't be doing that. Colleges no. are going to hear yeah. about that. It's going to hit your GPA. I mean, just what are you thinking, well, Peter? Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, as a teacher, and I know your wife is a teacher, uh, we're never going to think that that's okay. That's you're supposed to be a good example. Spider-Man. You can't Stay be in being school kids. Yes. <laughs> don't don't do what Spider-Man does. Yeah. I could be more like Wilson Fisk, who's giving back to charity. Yeah, he's an accomplished man. I bet yeah. he took school very seriously. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What did you think of this one? Uh, I'm going to say three out of four uh, missed classes. Three, three, three out of four missed classes. Yeah, not quite as as memorable as the last issue, but, yeah. you know, still progresses the plot. Nothing wrong with the issue. Yeah. I, I would agree, and I do um, really like seeing Kingpin. So I think a lot of my rankings on these episodes are going to be how much I get to watch the villain like chew the scenery in it. He's so good. I mean, you can just tell what his deal is like right from the beginning. There's so much characterization yeah. there. Yeah. And I wonder if I would like him as much if I didn't watch the Daredevil show, which... I think he's so good in. Um, oh, yeah. That actor killed it. I know. And now uh, Vincent D'Onofrio didn't even have to look it up. I was about to. I knew his name was Vincent. I can't pronounce the last name. So thanks. Yeah. For, thanks for that, John. Yeah. <laughs> here's a here's a fun fact about Vincent D'Onofrio. He was the alien in Men in Black. The one who is like made of bugs. What? You would never recognize him in a million years in that. But yeah, I saw that one time and I went and looked it up and I was like, that is insane that that is him. I'm flabbergasted. I know. So was I picturing that right now, because I mean, (laughs) that guy before he gets possessed, like I think of him as like Cousin Eddie. Yeah, he's still even it's pretty different. He's pretty he looks pretty different. He feels like Cousin Eddie the Exterminator. Yeah. Um, So I I think I'll like uh, I'll I'll like the Kingpin storyline a lot. Very good. Very good. All right. We ready for issue 12? Let's do issue 12. Yep. All right. Final one of the day. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis, penciled by Mark Bagley and inked by Art to Bear. Peter is fighting Electro and the Enforcers in Kingpin's surveillance room, and he webs up Fancy Dan's guns so he can't shoot at him. <laughs> Do so they that, call him Fancy Dan, or did you come up with that? Did I miss him getting named? <laughs> that's his name. I don't know if they say it in the Ultimate series, or if I just am filling that in because I know of okay. him from the original comics. Okay. 
Whether or not they call him Fancy Dan, he's Fancy Dan. It suits him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's too good of a name not to use. (laughs) If they didn't use it, I actually would probably dock Bendis for that. Like, I I can (laughs) I can see him trying to make it modern. But wow, Fancy Dan. That's yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Can't improve on it. Um, but anyways, he webs up his guns, so he's basically out of the fight. He's just a dude. He can't do much against Spider-Man without his guns. And and to start this fight, I'll say, because I focus so much on the negative self-talk, Peter gives himself a pep talk as he's starting this fight. He's like, you can do this. You're smarter than these guys. Like, you're you're Peter Parker, you know? Um, and I liked it a lot. I'm glad that they even if Bendis wasn't trying to make that come full circle with all of his negative self-talk, I'm glad that it ended up kind of coming full circle that he gave himself a positive pep talk to, to kind of get him into gear. That, that is a good point. You know, it's like the, what do they talk about? Like the, um, like the Marine rule where it's like, Oh, whenever you think you're at your limit, you can do more and you just have to have that mindset. It's like he finally gets that. And he goes into overdrive. Yeah. And he's able to do what he needs to do. Yep. So um, he uh, then dodges a blast from Electro, but Ox catches one of his feet and Ox just starts swinging him into monitors, smashing them into pieces. And it seems like Peter is down for the count. So the villains stand over him and they just start arguing over what to do with him. And Electro and Montana want to just kill him. Fancy Dan basically wants to keep beating him for a while. And Ox, the big dummy, is kind of the reasonable one. And he uh, picks Peter up and he says, we should just take him to Kingpin as he is, guys, because that's what he asked for. And just then Peter kicks both of his feet up and he gets Electro and Montana in the faces and Electro tries to shock him, but Peter jumps away and Ox takes the full blast. So now that's Ox that's out of the fight, too. Um, I guess he's not out of the fight quite yet, but he he moves fast and he uses the Enforcer's momentum against them. So they all take each other out. And now it's just him and Electro. And he's fighting with Electro and he kind of asks him, hey, man, how'd you get your powers? <laughs> He is like unaware that like Electro is just so annoyed by him that he hates him. <laughs> it is. It is so funny. That's what I wrote. I said Electro is just so annoyed and hates Spider-Man so much that he has to. And Peter's just like talking to him like a buddy. Like, how'd you get your powers? Are you a mutant? And Electro is just like seething. Like you can tell he knows, oh, we're on different sides, but he thinks like we're both super people. There's some like professional courtesy there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is really funny. Yeah, um, he he says it's none of your business. And Peter's like, are you a mutant? And Electro says, no, I'm not. And well, he's he, like, sa- he says, are you? <laughs> and he's like, I asked first. <laughs> and then he says, no, I'm not. And he says, why he asks him, why do you care? And Peter says, oh, I'm just kind of a science geek about this stuff. (laughs) Has no idea, like no situational awareness. And it's really good. Electro is like, "Okay, I'm going to finish this conversation now. And he tells him, well, after we burn you alive, we're going to find out who you are and we're going to find your family and I'm going to personally fry them, too. And Peter's like, oh, 
okay then. And he responds by kicking a nearby water pipe, which just sprays like gallons and gallons of water on Electro. And, and, and it, it, I'm sorry, go, go on. It shocks him with his own electricity. Yeah. And it's also, um, it's kind of one of those scenes where I, f- I feel like it's really reminding me of another movie or show, but I can't quite put my finger on what it, what it is, but where Peter is trying to solve this cordially, you know, Hey, how's it going? Are you a mutant? You know, um, he's not really f- fighting to win. Is it the you could say? And yeah, what is it? The scene in civil war where he's like, Oh, cool. You have a metal arm. <laughs> I did. Yes. I, it did remind me of that, but, but it's, but that's not this exact part, but it did remind me of that. Um, but Electro's finally like, we're going to kill your entire family. And he's like, okay, great. Well, now that you've like crossed that line, you know, I'm going to nuke you with this water, which I've been waiting to do. I was just waiting for you to like cross the line and like you did. So now you're going down, you know, which I kind of liked. It was like Peter knew how to take him out for this entire time. He was just like, okay, you, you finally went too far, you know? Yeah, he was waiting. He was trying to show some decorum. Yeah. Make this a classy fight. Yeah. Um, so I like this part. He then he checks on Ox because he seems like the most decent one of the bunch, I guess, because he didn't want to kill Peter, or keep beating on him. And he says, do you have a family? And Ox tells him, yeah, I have a mom. I love my mom. And Peter's like, you want to do the right thing for once in your life? March your incredibly stupid butt right to the cops or the FBI or whatever and confess. You tell them everything because the kingpin is going bye-bye either way. So he's like trying to get Ox a deal. And Ox says he's going to. Yeah. You know, good for him. And as Peter heads for the exit, he hears Fisk behind him saying, I don't know what you think is going to happen, but there's no way in the world that you will leave here alive. And so, we hear that or that's written before we see that it's Kingpin who's saying it. And I don't know about you, Zach, but when I read that, I I think it might have actually like given me chills because I really thought he was about to just like walk out of there and, and get the tapes. And I just, I just think I really like Kingpin. (laughs) It feels like the cut scene in a video game before the boss fight. Yeah. Like you start making your way to the exit and then it just takes all your control away and it's like, oh, not so fast. Yeah. Uh, Peter tells Fisk there are all kind of things uh, that he wanted to say to him and he was so afraid he would forget them. So he wrote them down and, and he pulls out you, some note cards. And you think he's about to tell him all about how uncle Ben's killer used to work for him and all this stuff that he's been like saving up about uncle Ben, or at least that's what I thought was about to happen. Yeah. You take him seriously for a second and Fisk does too. Cause he's like, okay, I'll hear this out before I kill him. <laughs> and there's no other way to say it. Fat, fat jokes ensue. And he and he does have like just note cards or like a joke, a notepad. He's just flipping over the pages on just telling fat jokes. This is a scene that has aged kind of poorly. You can tell. In the early 2000s, this was like 
you know, considered like high humor, but it really feels like he has so much more to draw from with Fisk being just a terrible person. And then like talking about his weight is like something that a lot of the readers could attach to. I've seen like on Reddit, people kind of hate this panel about as much as they hate any other panel, like in this series. And I think it just depends on like, I don't know how it resonates with you. And I don't think the intention was for it to be hurtful to readers, but I think that's definitely the legacy of it. Yeah. And and even a couple issues ago, like the first time he meets Kingpin, he makes a joke like that. I think he just says something like fatty, 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 fatty. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't like that Spider-Man. You know, you shouldn't make fun of people's appearance or their weight problems and then when he did this one i do think it was very funny him like taking out the joke book but it would seem better if he had some better jokes you know like you're quipping the entire time you're fighting with pretty good jokes and now he gets to kingpin and he's just saying like stereotypical you're so fat, blah, 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 blah. You're so fat, blah, blah, you know? And it's like, oh, I don't, I don't really, that wasn't needed. (laughs) Yeah, the ones that you think were so good that you had to prepare them and get them right are just all punching down. Yeah. And it feels on brand for a 15-year-old, especially one in 2000. But it's kind of like, you know, when you go back and you watch your favorite comedy from like when you were in high school and you realize there's like, you know, a hundred gay jokes in there and you're yeah. like oh yeah that uh forgot that was that yeah. was the s- sensibilities at the time yeah. but but zach also we're probably just snowflakes probably so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen up libs yeah <laughs> so it eventually does turn into what i had been hoping it would be which is um him listing off kingpin's crimes and he says you think you can walk all over everyone you steal and use people. You sell drugs to children. But I didn't come here to fight you. Any idiot can do that. I have something so much better planned. And I, I liked that. I felt like that was a good, strong end cap to like what you say to a monster when you take him down. Absolutely. And I'm about to go back and check because I, I want to say he says, I didn't come here to kill you. Anyone can do any, you know, but maybe he did say fight. I'm going to look. Not that it matters all that much, but but you can keep going while I try okay. to look. Yeah. Um. So he webs up Fisk's hands to the wall, and he webs up his face as well. And by the time uh, Kingpin has ripped free and uncovered his face, Peter's long gone. Which is another huge showing of Fisk's just strength in general. You see him like tear out of the all of the webbing and if he had done it like one second earlier spider-man probably wouldn't have escaped like he wasn't tied up for that long yeah for how strong we know that webbing is it this is a another good showing for kingpin just yeah that he gets free at all um so at home peter was watches fisk's uh security tapes and obviously he sees uh foswell's murder on it or mr big as they call him. And he anonymously sends that tape uh, to Ben Yurick at the daily journal with a note that says enclosed, you will find all kinds of goodies against the Kingpin. 
I have marked a couple of discs that should be really interesting, which is one way to put it. Please do the right thing. Signed a friend. P.S. Not for the squeamish. And he watches from his cubicle as Yurik takes the evidence to Jameson and Jameson calls the authorities. I wasn't sure. uh, Well, first, he does say fight you, not kill you. So you were right in that. Um, But I thought I was kind of wondering if it was going to become a thing where maybe they bury the tapes. Like, I thought we were we were about to see a conversation between J. Jonah Jameson and Yurik about what was going to happen. And then like, it just sh- and then it just came out that like yeah he called the authorities and they write about it in the paper and I was like oh that was I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more of a discussion than that No I think um I mean first of all Yurik is he's a good reporter I think Peter had I, my right- thought was because maybe J Jonah Jameson was not <laughs> Yeah well I mean I kind of think he has some journalistic integrity when it's not yeah. about spider-man which it's it's yeah. weird but he definitely shows it here and that's what's important yeah um later peter calls mary jane and she says she's not mad at him anymore anything and about her appearance you want to mention she's like getting ready she's looking very good in a towel just got out of the shower yeah <laughs> I'm like, I was, I can't believe Bendis is drawing this kind of stuff. Well, it's Bagley. Just put her in normal clothes. Yeah. It's, I didn't think it was like provocative because I know they're like 15, but if I was 15 reading this, I probably would have. It's not that it's like insanely provocative, but when you draw someone in a towel instead of just in clothes, it's, you know. Especially right, like a high school person. Like they probably wouldn't have done the same thing with uh Aunt May or Peter, is what you're yeah, saying? Probably not. They might. That, I mean, that is a good point. I I think I've been desensitized because I know how objectified like Mary Jane Watson is in the regular Marvel universe. I mean, she basically that that towel is about the most clothes she wore <laughs> all through the nineties. Um so to me, it didn't stand out as much, but I mean, you're totally right. It's kind of unnecessary. Okay. Um, but anyways, they're talking on the phone and uh, she says she's not mad at him anymore. And he asks if she can come over. He says, I have something really important to tell you. Wonder what that could be. Oh, I wonder Think- if he'll get to. I'm guessing something will come up so he doesn't actually. I, I would be amazed if he actually ends up saying he's Spider-Man this early on. I guess we'll get there. I know. We'll see, what, we'll see what happens uh, next episode. Yeah. And um, the epilogue to this is we cut to Kingpin and his lawyer in a jungle somewhere. He's reading a newspaper about himself. And the headline is American Kingpin of Crime Caught Red-Handed on Tape whereabouts unknown so he got away but he's like in hiding and his lawyer promises that he can fix this but it'll take some time and he says it's not good enough or something like that so he obviously has other things he's planning yeah he wants to get back to new york the pressure's on the lawyer to make it happen he's you know he's found out but he's not behind bars so he could come back there's the door is open for that yeah so what did you think of this one? 
Um, I thought it was a good finale to what we've seen. Um, it, I mean, it wrapped things up, which is what you're looking for, but it was a lot of fighting to do it. And then it had the two kind of unfortunate, poorly aged scenes that we just talked about. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have a scale for us? Um, I, I do have a scale for us. So I, I also thought it was kind of a lot of fighting. Um, and I, I think they're pretty good though about not having a total fighting episode or a total talking episode. Like, you know, it's usually a pretty good combination of both, but I liked this one more than I liked the first one. Not as much as the last two. I gave it three out of five DVDs of Kingpin committing murder. (laughs) What if there was five of those? That would have been wild. There probably is. If he records everything, there's probably way more. Well, he records everything in his office. So that means not not that he's had to commit five murders, but he's committed five murders in the same place. In the last two days, he's chucked Spider-Man out a window, which would have been one. And he crushed this guy's head, which would have been two. So I'm just saying the dude owns a lot of property. Like, how do we know he hasn't knocked off some people at that McDonald's that he owns? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, I am going to give it. A two out of five incriminating DVDs. <laughs> I'd say this is probably the weakest episode issue that we have covered of the main series so far. And that's still not bad. It's no slouch. I have definitely yeah. read entire series of comics before that. I didn't think got to this level, but if this is my grading scale, you know, I have to, I have to grade it based off of all the other issues we've looked at in this series. And I, I just think, I mean, you kind of opened my eyes about the towel scene and then between that and how long the fat jokes go on and just how fight heavy it is. I'm glad that it wrapped up the Kingpin arc in a satisfying way, but I would have taken those things out. Oh, interesting. So this arc is wrapped up. We lose Kingpin for a while for now. Okay. Okay. That's I I think I would have liked to have seen him in a little bit, you know, a couple more issues. But if that's fine, and I hope I'm not getting I hope I'm not getting too spoilery here, but I will say so. My take on this series is overall the Green Goblin is Spidey's biggest foe, but I would not be surprised if like on a per issue issue basis, the Kingpin appears more than any other villain in this run. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but just from my recollection, it feels like he comes back quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who the the next uh, villain of a couple weeks is going to be. Yeah, and we will find that out in the next issue, or it, sorry, in our next episode. What are we reading for next time? Well, it will look at issues thirteen through fifteen. So we're getting smaller in scope. We're doing fewer uh, per episode, but well, I think well, we're well up over an hour. So yeah, I'm going to edit it down, but clearly we, we're not running out of things to say. So that should yeah. work for us. <laughs>